0: Besma Momani, thank you very much for taking my call, and welcome to Radio Canada International. Thank you. Now, U.S. President Donald Trump uh, threatened on Tuesday to obliterate parts of Iran if it attacked anything American. And this, of course, comes after Tehran um, said uh, that uh, the latest sanctions that were uh, imposed by the U.S. on the Iranian leadership have basically... Uh, scuttled any chance for diplomacy, and called the actions by Trump mentally retarded. What do you make of all of this?
1: Yeah, well, and also that last phrase was actually a misquote or a mistranslation. But, you know, I think it's uh, indicative of an escalation uh, between the U.S. and Iran. Uh, The Iranians obviously want to get relief from uh, the international sanctions before. At the moment, 80% of the country is under economic sanctions. Uh, People are struggling. The regime is hurting. And all of that is uh, basically pushing them to try and hit uh, not perhaps the Americans directly because they're smart enough not to do that, but to provoke the U.S. And provoking the U.S. includes uh, everything from hitting oil tankers because, of course, the Americans are very interested in ensuring that international shipping continues through the Strait of Hormuz. It also includes uh, downing a drone. Uh, that the Iranians claim was in their international waters. Of course, it being an unmanned drone and not a civilian passenger, which, of course, even the Iranians claimed that they had access to and could have hit, is really a way of trying to hit the Americans, but not directly and not militarily in a way that would escalate matters, but uh, in their eyes, hopefully induce them to sort of uh, negotiate a way out of the sanctions. Of course, we see the reverse happening in the Americans. Uh, they are pushing for even more sanctions, uh, much of which I don't think are really effective in changing the dynamics pretty much. Uh, but certainly this has really made, I think, uh, the, uh, the U.S. presidents even more keen on inflicting pain on the Iranians. And so we're really at an impasse here. And sadly, it is, I think, the average Iranian and some of the regional countries who are really paying the price of all of this escalation.
0: How do you see this developing further? I mean, uh, the, the two countries are at an impasse. It looks like Iran is trying to, um, I, I guess, provoke the United States to a level that is uh, kind of a manageable confrontation. What's the way out?
1: Yeah, indeed that is their tactic and there is no way out. Uh the only way out is, you know, continuing continuing like this, you know, bumbling along until perhaps uh sadly there may be even a miscalculation that you know escalates things uh to a military confrontation. Uh but I think uh if there's no sort of capitulation on either side to finally want to meet and negotiate, uh, then it's going to have to hopefully change only under perhaps a change in president in Washington, which is kind of, I think where the Iranians think they're they're going to get some relief possibly. There's also pressure on European allies. Uh, you know, Iran has often looked to Europe to kind of be the buffer or frankly kind of help uh, the Iranian economy uh, circumvent some of the sanctions. But, you know, the challenge there is Iranian Um, uh, or European uh, countries may be in favor of the uh, continued trade and upholding of the JCPOA, which is the Iran deal, challenges uh, many European companies are too afraid to continue to do business with Iran because, you know, companies like Airbus, for example, which is a big one that had a big deal with Iran, would not want to jeopardize their operations in the United States. And so it really is very complicated, and it seems like uh, very little options are on the table for, you know, de-escalating things.
0: How about for, uh, you know, the the stance for countries like Russia and China? Um, what role do they have in either de-escalating or providing some cover uh, for Iran.
1: Yeah, and they've uh, certainly, uh, both countries have said that they will continue to deal with Iran, uh, especially the Russians. But, you know, Russian-Iranian trade is very minimal. Uh, They both export oil. Uh, They're not really going to be buying each other's stuff necessarily. Um, Some natural uh, trading partners like India, China, uh, Turkey, um, have been, uh, you know, trying to continue to work with Iran. Uh, but for them, is it becomes a company risk. And if you are, you know, Turkish Airlines, for example, and have the business dealings in Iran, you are going to have a difficult time then operating in the United States. And, and that's really the, the crux of the problem. Some smaller companies certainly will continue to trade. And I think we're going to see, um, co- you know, some um countries get some waivers like Iraq, which is very dependent on Iranian oil and electricity to basically uh, survive. And so it is, you know, getting waivers from the U.S. administration. But all in all, uh, it's still a very tough times for Iran. It is not going to give it the economic relief it desires. And so, its only way to lash out and try and get rebalancing, you know, to get some sort of resolution to this is, is frankly through this low level grade conflict.
0: Now, one of the ways that this low level conflict has manifested itself uh, are these. Uh, uh, sabotage actions against oil tankers um, in the Persian Gulf, which they, I have to say the Iranians deny that they have any responsibility for. And there are some people who say this could also be false flag operations by other countries who are interested in you know, having the U.S. strike Iran. But um, what, what else does Iran have in its arsenal to kind of... Um, make 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 Americans interested in talking to them,
1: yeah, and i would I mean, I would argue that I do think they are behind uh, putting these mines on these tankers, and uh, they've chosen tankers in particular that are not american owned uh, not flagged by Americans uh, so that they could really i think not provoke the Americans per se, but make the message very clear um, in terms of um, you know what is at their uh, disposal i mean uh, one thing I think many are really afraid of is would it uh, you know, uh, embolden its proxies or signal to its proxies like Hezbollah, um, like uh, the Houthi rebels, although that's probably the weakest uh, of the proxies. Uh, certainly in Iraq, we've seen, for example, uh, accusations that Hezbollah there has been uh, hitting uh, American companies, um, even accusations that they've uh, been trying to penetrate U.S. bases, which, of course, there are many American personnel still in Iraq. So there's plenty. At its disposal, I don't think the Iranians uh, would want to uh, go that far. Uh, they're quite willing to hit an American company, but I don't think they want to uh, provoke the Americans further. Uh, they know that there are a couple of, uh, in all due respect, loose cannons in the U.S. Uh, administration and, and some warhawks like Bolton and Pompeo who would, I think, love to have a war with Iran. And so they're they're conscious of that. So it's you know about. Calibrating that uh, ever so carefully, but as you can imagine, as I'm describing, calibrating that in a way that doesn't get the Americans all riled up, and particularly under this very unpredictable president, is frankly very difficult to, to, to do accurately. And any little move could be a misstep or, frankly, a, a bumbling our way into a full-on conflict.
0: Now, you mentioned in the beginning that the quote of uh, you know the mentally retarded was... Uh, not really well translated. What do you make of uh, the statements really going personally after Trump?
1: Well, you know, I think it's uh, probably going to resonate, to be quite honest with you. I mean, there is no shortage of... And remember here, who's the audience for that? It's obviously domestic audience in Iran. But there's also uh, a lot of European countries uh, who are frustrated. You know, they, they worked very hard on a multilateral JCPOA. Uh, that's the Iran nuclear deal that was, I think, very strong and are frustrated that Donald Trump is erratic, is irresponsible, uh, short of using that derogatory term. The reality is I think it's going to resonate, ironically, in some circles. Uh, they used words like "mentally unstable," which I think is uh, not far off from the truth of what many people may be believing in certain European capitals.
0: Hmm. What do you see, if if any, uh, uh, any role for Canada in this?
1: Well, I mean, so far we've, uh, you know, obviously been uh, trying to be, you know, a a force of supporting the JCPOA, we've we've said that before, but you know we're not a party to it necessarily. And certainly, I think there isn't a lot of of Canadian room for maneuver here. But uh, we are, of course, uh, historically been uh, one that supports our U.S. ally, and we're in a difficult spot here because. Uh, like uh, many of the European partners, we, we do see that it was the Americans that pulled out of this deal. It was a good deal. and what the Americans are asking for now is uh, pretty much unachievable. and uh, And so we're in this kind of waiting game, uh, hoping that obviously military conflict doesn't you know uh, expand or roll out. We are, of course a NATO member. And when we have a ally like the United States hit uh, we as a collective, security uh, principle has to come to their defense so that is you know something that I'm sure uh, many people have on their minds and we've kind of been in this scenario for some time now with all the saber-rattling that Americans have had with a number of uh, conflict zones from Iran to North Korea etc.
0: Well thank you very much this is very very interesting.
1: My pleasure.